So I think because we get this fairy tale idea of romance, like I was saying before, it's like you meet the right person and then you live happily ever after. And so a lot of us feel like this idea of having to put work into a relationship, that means something is wrong. Oh, this must not be my person. We're not living happily ever after. It's taking so much work and effort. This can't be right. And so a lot of people will end relationships or you know, even just be hesitant to work on the relationship at all to try anything different because there's this sense of, oh, it, it should shouldn't have to be like that, right? So that's why, you know, we talk a lot about putting effort into relationships, into our sex lives, and that it's a sign of how much you love each other, not a sign that you're not the right fit for each other. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks, come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state. We scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket. Took a leap of faith. I took a chance. Now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests. Now let's bring Matt. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This is the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success. And you are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. Excited for each and every one of you joining us today. If this is your first time tuning in, meaning this is your first episode ever. I want to welcome you with open arms into our incredible community that we've been building over the past four plus years. And if you are a returning member of said incredible community, welcome back, my family. Really excited for each and every one of you because ladies and gents, it is time. It is time to talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. I don't know how that song goes. Maybe I shouldn't even sing again, but I don't even know. With that said, we're talking about that today. We're talking about sex, S-E-X, sex. For this convo, I'm really excited to introduce you or reintroduce you to New York Times bestselling authors Vanessa and Zanda Marin. She's a sex therapist with 20 plus years of experience and he's a regular dude. And together they wrote Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your love life. They're the shockingly open, slightly nerdy, and seriously funny couple you'll be calling your new besties in no time. They share the ups and downs in their relationship while giving you step-by-step -step techniques for improving yours. It's the sex education that you wish you had, as there are so many incredible takeaways here in this episode, and it's really refreshing to have both the female and the male perspective. It's a conversation that without a doubt warrants a part two, but for now, I hope you're ready to learn how to have these conversations with your partner, how to remove the performance anxiety from the bedroom, how to deepen your bond through intimacy, and so much more. I can go on for days about what we're getting in this episode, but without further ado, we are bringing to you our friends, Vanessa and Xander Marin. Vanessa, Xander, welcome to Decoding Success. Super excited to have the both of you here. Really excited for what we're diving into, so thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. First question, probably how I should start off every conversation, but how are you both? Honest answer. <laughs> we are, honest answer. Yeah, we're absolutely. <laughs> we're a little tired, to be honest. We have a lot going on right now with the, the book mm. is coming out two weeks from today. We have a big internal launch that we are doing. We've got some like personal projects going on too. So it's like, it's all good things. <laughs> but have you ever had one of those instances where it's like all the things happen at once? <laughs> absolutely. And even if they're all good, you're like, I just need a little, little bit of a breather. <laughs> so that's no, where, totally at, where I'm it. at right now. Yeah. <laughs> definitely in the same place it's good that we're in the same place together we're we're experiencing the same things uh but we're yeah just dealing with it day by day 
So how do you deal with it day by day? I'm really curious, especially being that you're in business together, relationship, there's a lot going on there. I'm really curious how you detach from that work, how you kind of separate the two, if that's at all possible. You know, our day to day, we do a pretty good job of separating it, you know, of making sure we're, we stop talking about work at a certain time. Mm. We also try to be really clear with each other. Since we're a husband and wife and business partners, we try to be clear with each other about like, hey, I need to talk to my business partner right now versus, hey, I need to talk to my wife right now. So that helps us maintain that separation. When we get into really, really busy periods, like sometimes all the preparation in the world, all the mindset <laughs> stuff in the world, like sometimes you just have those seasons of life where, where you think, I'm just so busy, everything's so full. And I think what helps us the most in those periods of time is just acknowledging it, just being able to say, hey, we got a lot on our plates right now, don't we? Like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and I'm feeling stressed and how are you? And I think just that power of acknowledging it and, and us saying to each other, just like Xander kind of said, like, we're on the same team, we're going through this together, that makes us feel connected even when there's very little room for anything else other than that basic acknowledgement. I think another thing that that really helps us at least is we each have our own sort of like self-care routines that are really important mm -hmm. to us. And we have had a lot of conversations talking about how we prioritize that type of stuff relative to work stuff or relative to life stuff. And so we both really try to support each other in you know, doing the things that we do every day or, you know, however many times a week that really help us show up in a better mind state or a better mindset. So mm -hmm. for me, I surf. Vanessa loves to go to Pilates. And we just, you know, really make sure that we carve out the time for that. Like we structure our day around the stuff that we know is going to make us feel good and be happy, like for the long term. That's cool. I, I want to try Pilates, but I know it's going to kick my ass and the ego gets in the way. It oh, is yeah. so hard. I've dragged him with me and it's really fun because it's like the one physical activity that I'm better <laughs> than he Oh man. It is it is it is rough. It is really rough. Like regardless of how fit you are from other things, it's like a, just a completely different thing that you are never going to be prepared for. There were a couple weeks after I got a tattoo where I wasn't able to surf. And so I was going to Pilates with Vanessa and every single time, like 10 minutes in, I'd be like, oh my, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I doing this to myself? And I was just <laughs> grinning like a maniac. Like mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. That's amazing. So I'm going to ask a question. You could answer it any which way you want. I'm not going to tell you how to answer this question. It's something that I've only asked once, and it happened to be earlier today. The question has been sitting on my monitor here. I also wrote it down. I'm just really curious to hear what the both of you have to say. How would my life be different or our audience, whoever's in the audience listening to this, how would our lives be different if we knew what the both of you know? Mm, interesting question. I think people would be having more sex and better sex and feeling more connected to each other. More sex, better sex, <laughs> deeper connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, let's I, break that down. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I no, no, I, I totally agree with what Vanessa said. I would add to that. There's another level or another layer of connection that is available to you. If you know what we know, or if we, <laughs> if you uh, follow our, our advice or try some of the things that we suggest. So let's start with the connection aspect of it. You're referring from an intimate perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What? Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just curious, like what, what's getting in the way of the deeper connection without knowing what you know? 
you know, I, it's really important to us to acknowledge that intimacy is complicated. It, you know, I think we all have this fairy tale idea of romance and sex in our heads that we just meet that right person. The chemistry is so amazing and we live happily ever after. Yeah. And all that intimacy and stuff, it just happens. And it persists, <laughs> you know? And so we always like to normalize. It is really challenging to maintain that level of intimacy and connection in a long-term relationship. We just all have so many things on our plates, so many things being tossed at us every day by life. It's really easy for us to get busy, overwhelmed, overloaded, and stressed, and just, you know, to start drifting more into that roommate's territory with each other rather than feeling like we're really romantic partners and teammates and feeling that connection that we all so desperately want. And so I think what our sweet spot is with our business is helping people identify practical things that we can do on a daily basis to experience more connection, physical and emotional connection with each other. Like, of course, it'd be great if we could all go to a couple's retreat for two <laughs> weeks and, you know, just <laughs> focus on our relationship and do nothing else. It sounds wonderful, but I don't think that's realistic for most people and to, to do it multiple times throughout the year. So to us, it's really important to figure out what are those little things that we can do that are going to be big needle movers and create that connection that we all desire and deserve. What are those practical things, if you don't mind me asking? So it's going to be different for every couple, but we like to, you know, give lots of options. So for us, one of the things that is really powerful is little moments of touch throughout the day. So especially when it comes to okay. sex, a lot of couples, we kind of compartmentalize sex. We think of it, it's like, it's just this thing that happens in our bedroom at the end of the night. That's when we start getting physical with each other. And a lot of couples in long-term relationships, if you watch a couple throughout the day, you'll see that the, the level of touch between the two of them really goes down the more time goes on. And so that actually creates a lot more pressure around sex where now this is like, this is the first time all day or maybe in multiple days, multiple weeks that I'm touching you. And then it can feel more awkward and you know a lot more pressure. And so we try to make a point to have those little moments of physical contact throughout the day. So in the morning, we take a moment, you know, even if we're really busy and we've got to jump up and get <laughs> something going, we take even 30 seconds to just cuddle. Same thing at, at the end of the night in bed. We always have like this skin to skin contact. It's kind of our little cute mm. ritual time, taking time for, for hugs and kisses, like greeting each other is another great, simple thing. I mean, if you're in a long-term relationship, think about, you know, the last time your partner got home, did you really give them a proper greeting? Like, hey, I'm so glad to see you. You're back. Let me give you a hug. Let me give you a kiss. Most of us, it's just like, we're on our phones like, hey, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> so those are a couple of things that can be really powerful. And I think, an, I mean, another thing that is, it's so powerful that we wrote an entire book about it, but talking about sex or talking about your relationship, talking about your connection. I think so many of us get really tripped up here and think, oh, well, if we need to talk about sex or if we need to talk about our relationship, it means that something is wrong. Like we only talk about, we think that we only talk about this stuff like in couples therapy or, or when things are falling apart or when you're in an argument. But the reality is there are some actual really fun ways to talk about sex in a really playful way or just talk about your own relationship dynamics where it's not like a blaming kind of thing. It's just like, a you know, hey, like this is, you know, this is how we feel connected with each other or, or whatever. And so just starting to communicate about about your sex life, about your relationship. And that actually can be a real kind of like a self, a virtuous cycle where, you know, the more you talk about it, the more you're thinking about it, the more you're doing it, the more connected you feel. So I think that that's another, another huge one. 
I'll give you one more too that's like really simple and easy is taking a couple of seconds just to call each other out when you see your partner doing something you appreciate. So, you know, we've all heard of like the power of gratitude. A lot of us kind of roll our eyes like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> but there's actually, <laughs> there's actually research that has found that gratitude is the number one predictor of marital success. It's that powerful, you know, and, and so many of us in long term relationships, we start to get irritated with our partner of like, you left the dish on top of the counter instead of putting it immediately below into the dishwasher, right? So we like kind of nitpick <laughs> at each other all day long of you did that again, you forgot the trash again, all this kind of stuff. And we just don't actually say very many kind things to each other. So mm. we try to go even overboard sometimes and really call out the like, hey, I saw that you cleaned up after breakfast. Thank you so much. I saw that you pick the dog poop up. I really appreciate that. You know? But just those those tiny, I mean, what that takes two seconds to say, I saw that you did that. I appreciate right. that. But it makes you feel so good and so seen and validated to be on the receiving end. Absolutely. I'm curious, Vanessa, you know, you mentioned something that sparked a question. You were talking about how we could let things fade in a relationship. So I'm curious from a mindset perspective, why that actually happens. And of course, you know, you were mentioning we can get stressed, overwhelmed day to day, yada, yada. I get that. But if we saw our paycheck from our employer or whatever a client starting to fade, we would react differently as opposed to our partner fading, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I think because we get this fairy tale idea of romance, like I was saying before, it's like you meet the right person and then you live happily ever after. And so a lot of us feel like this idea of having to put work into a relationship, that means something is wrong. Oh, this must not be my person. We're not living happily ever after. It's taking so much work and effort. This can't be right. And so a lot of people will end relationships or you know, even just be hesitant to work on the relationship at all to try anything different because there's this sense of, oh, it, it shouldn't have to be like that, right? So that's why you know we talk a lot about putting effort into relationships, into our sex lives, and that it's a sign of how much you love each other, not a sign that you're not the right fit for each other. Absolutely. I'm curious, what's a question the two of you wished you were asked more often? And how would you answer it? Ooh, that's an mm. interesting one. <laughs> I think that I wish that we got asked more often. Here's one thing that comes to mind. Like a lot of times we'll get asked questions where people want to know the quick fix to something. Like a very common question is, how do I increase my sex drive? <laughs> you know? And people just want that, like, what's the supplement that I can take? You know, what's the trick? What's the medication that I can take to increase my sex drive? And there are, yeah, some bigger complex issues like sex drive. It's a perfect perfect example where I wish that people were more open and willing to take a deeper dive into something like that. And I get the desire for a quick fix. Like I've had the desire for a magic pill so many times in my life. Of course, sure, it would be yeah. delightful to, to just get overnight results to something that you want. But that's something that comes up for me is just wishing that people could be more curious about, hey, what might this actually be a sign of? What might be going on that I'm feeling this rather than just the What's the supplement I can take to fix it? What yeah, would be I those signs? Sorry. Oh, sorry. What would be those signs? The, what do you mean? 
in regards to like lack of sex drive, like what would be the signs if they actually dove deep? And then Xander, you could chime oh, okay. in on that question too. I didn't, I don't mean to cut you off. Oh yeah. <laughs> so with sex drive, the thing that we like to say is that there's always a reason why you have a low sex drive. Your sex drive is kind of like the canary in the coal mine. If there's mm. something going on in your life, it's you're going to see it come up in your sex drive. So I actually developed what I like to call the five foundations model of sex drive, where I, it categorizes the five major components. And it covers things like, you know, your medical situation. So that tends to be the place where people think like, oh, it's my hormones. Just give me the hormones, the hormone fix. But there are also elements like your emotional relationship with sex, your beliefs about sex, the relationship dynamics between the two of you, and the quality of the sex that you're having as well. So a lot of people don't really think about that. Like one of my favorite questions to ask when somebody says I have a low sex drive is I'll ask them, so tell me about the sex that you're having. And then when you hear them describe the sex that they're having, it's like, well, that makes sense that you don't crave that experience that often. You know, usually people right. will describe sex. It's very boring. It's routine. It's all about my partner. There's nothing in it for me. So we kind of turn that back around on them and say, yeah. well, why do you think you would crave that experience? It doesn't sound very enjoyable. Right. Now, Xander, what's a question you wish more people would ask you? How would you answer it? Um, so here's what I think. I think that when it comes to, to giving advice about sex and relationships, I think it's really easy for people to listen to a piece of advice and think this can't, this won't work for me because of X, Y, Z and then to disregard it. So I mm -hmm. wish the question that more people asked is what's here for me rather than this won't work for me or here's why mm -hmm. this won't work for that's me. A, that's I, a good one. I think it's, it's so easy. <laughs> you know, it's so our, our brains are primed to spot problems or to spot like reasons why something won't work. But we really have to work on, you know, finding finding reasons that things will work or finding like the things that are right in a situation. And so, yeah, I, I think that it would be so helpful if people would think, okay, huh, so here's a piece of advice about whatever, this might be challenging for me to implement like exactly the way they're describing it, but maybe there's a piece of this, an idea here that I could apply to my life more often. Hey fam, let me pause us here real quick. One of the best ways to ensure that we're performing at our peak level, whether it be at work or, hey, in the bedroom, is to ensure that we are getting our best sleep possible. This is exactly why Decoding Success is partnered up with Proper Sleep. Proper prides itself on having sleep down to a science. Proper is a PhD-designed formula that has been clinically studied to improve sleep. Sleep isn't one-size-fits-all, which is why Proper has four formulas to help you target your sleep goals with deliberate intention. Whether that be to help you get better sleep night after night, to help you reset your natural sleep cycle, to help you reduce everyday stress, to improve cognitive performance and concentration, Proper has you covered. There's no tricks, no magic. They're thoughtfully designed, backed by science, and grounded in behavior change. It's time for you to get proper sleep today and start your tomorrow off on the right foot. Go to GetProper.com and take advantage of their 50% first order offer. That's GetProper.com for 50% off your first order. Head over to the link in the show notes of this episode, click it, and you will be right there. Now back to the episode. 
That's beautiful. I'm curious to learn, this is coming up for me, you know, being that the both of you put yourself out there, you speak so openly about your relationships, sex in general, I feel like the two of you have to have high self-esteem for yourselves as individuals, but then also like a really great trust for one another. And the reason I'm saying that, I'm just thinking about it. Maybe I'm stereotyping just from my, you know, just my world in general. Like when people are putting themselves out there and put and talking about sex and whether it's on social books, whatever the case may be. It's almost like a green light. I mean, you're two attractive individuals. So like, would you say you both have solid self-esteem or like, what's the case there? (laughs) You want to answer that one first? That's a really good question. What I will say for myself is, so I slowly got more and more involved in this business. Like, so initially Vanessa created this business and it's, you know, it's over the years, it's transformed into what it is now. Probably I've only really been involved in being more of a face of the business in the past two and a half years. Before I used to kind of be on the back end doing the operational stuff. And I will say that I was very hesitant for a long time to really get involved and put myself out there because I didn't have a lot of confidence. I didn't feel very good about myself. I didn't feel very good about my sex drive. And I had to do a lot of my own personal work untangling a lot of this stuff and like, you know, being really getting really curious about huh, like what what is going on with me? What are you know, why am I feeling like I can't talk about some of this stuff? Or what am I really struggling with? And it was, you know, as Vanessa and I started you know, talking more openly about this stuff. And I started getting more involved in, you know, talking to people on social and being involved in our courses and our guides and stuff like that, that, you know, I started to feel more comfortable with myself, more confident with myself. So yeah, I do think that confidence is important to, you know, to be able to do what we do. And I can definitely say that there was a long period of time where I didn't feel very good about myself. And I was looking for reasons to be less involved because I was scared. Now, Xander, I'm just curious. Oh, go ahead, Vanessa. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is like a three-way. We've never, we've never done this on the pod, so it's, uh, (laughs) it's a learning process here. I'm just really curious to learn from Xander's perspective what it was that was stopping you from deep diving. Now, was it ego? Was it something else? I'm just, you know, really curious to hear that Mm -hmm. because I know for myself, I mean, ego gets in the way a lot. Past experiences in bed get in the way a lot. So I'm just curious what it was for you. I would say it's a combination of two things. So for sure, ego like that, at least 50% was ego. But I think the other bit was something that Vanessa sort of alluded to this idea that we shouldn't have to put work into relationships or into our sex life. And this idea that I should know what I'm doing. I think that especially men are are really conditioned or socialized to think that, you know, I'm as a, as a man, I'm supposed to be the leader when it comes to sex. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, regardless of how much experience I have or haven't had. And, you know, because like we see in, in movies and stuff, I mean, if you think about like 40 year old virgin or something, this guy who hasn't <laughs> had any experience, he doesn't know what he's doing. And he's actually, you know, he actually like wants help, but everyone is making fun of him. And like, you know, we laugh at this situation. And so what we learn as men or as anyone in our society is like, oh, you don't want to be like this person. Even if you don't know what you're doing, you should pretend like you know what you're doing. And for me, what that meant was when I was bumping into areas where I was like, huh, I don't actually feel like I'm very good at this, or I don't really know what's going on. Instead of asking for help or talking about it or looking for resources, I would go the other way and go, okay, well, 
that's not for me. I got to stick with what I know. That was keeping me, you know, in a place where I was not doing things that were very exciting, where I wasn't feeling very good about myself, but that was kind of the devil that I knew rather than the devil I didn't know. Absolutely. Vanessa, I know you wanted to chime in. <laughs> I think I was going to say, going back to the confidence question for myself, like I am a confident person. I think I have belief in myself. I feel good about myself. I, you know, I, yeah, I believe in myself, but I think what comes up for me in doing this work is it feels bigger than the two of us. You know, I think it, it's so rare to hear people talk openly and honestly about sex that even when I feel nervous or vulnerable or scared or completely unconfident, I have so much belief in the mission of what we're doing. That's what pushes me forward to keep doing it, to keep sharing, keep showing up, keep talking. And so that, you know, the, the essential confidence that I have helps for sure. But I think it's that belief in the vision and the mission and the feedback that we get from people when we do it. That's what keeps me moving forward. Do you think the landscape of sex has made forward progress to talk about it more openly? I feel like it has to an extent. It's definitely gotten better. Absolutely. And we still have a really long way to go to. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I actually want to kind of move backwards a little bit in regards to societal pressures, demands, you know, kind of just things that they're th you're throwing on top of one another, which is perfect example, 40 year old virgin, right? How do you get out of your head in bed and become present? Because those things can instantly pop up where it's like, oh shit, mm -hmm. I'm going to come too quick, or I'm worried about size, or women might be worried about shape, whatever it is, right? Like, how do we become present? So first thing that we've got to do is we have to stop fighting the distracting thoughts. So for most of us, mm -hmm. what will happen is we'll be in the moment, we're being intimate, and then that thought comes up and we get really frustrated. Like, oh, I just, I want to be able to be in the moment, but now I'm thinking about, you know, I'll, I'll speak for women. Like now I'm thinking about my body and feeling self-conscious about being in this position and what's my partner thinking. So we get frustrated at ourselves for having that thought. And then it just becomes this big shame and distraction spiral of like, why can't I stay present? Yeah. I'm always thinking about other things. Is my partner thinking about other things? So we just really send ourselves down on this path. Whereas the perspective that I like to take is that, we can't control our brains. I mean, if you've ever tried to, to tell yourself in your brain, like, don't think about this, don't think about that thing, you're it doesn't work. You're going to think about that thing. And so instead, when I find myself having distracting thoughts, because they, they happen to me, I just take a moment to say like, okay, I'm thinking that thought. That's all right. I'm just going to let that be there. And so when I don't fight it, that's when the, the thought really dissipates a lot faster and I can just naturally come back into the moment. But it's those times mm -hmm. that I'm beating myself up about getting distracted and I don't want to be distracted. And why are we doing this? That's when it just keeps going and going and going. So we just have to let those thoughts be in the moment. Hey, everyone. I want to pause this episode quickly. While we're on the topic of intimacy, having that special person in our life to bask in these moments is simply priceless. If you're looking for that person, your person, to share these moments with, I want to introduce you to Talkify, a new way to meet other serious singles in search of their person, which could very well be you. Talkify is the country's number one modern matchmaking service that is designed to help you achieve relationship success. How do they help you achieve relationship success, you may ask? Well, they have trusted compatibility specialists who hand-select successful and compelling candidates based on your interests, desires, or how about your type, so you can date consciously and productively. Here's how it works. The Talkify matchmakers meet with you to learn about what you're looking for in a partner. 
Then, they'll select and screen potential match candidates for you, doing background checks, video interviews, and asking the tough questions that are a little too awkward for first dates. From there, your matchmaker plans your date introductions and handles all communications for you, creating a safe and stress-free dating experience. Talkify is committed to finding your match, and 80% of match clients met their person within the first 12 matches. And right now, Talkify is offering our listeners here at Decoding Success 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com DSP. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y dot com forward slash DSP for 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com forward slash DSP. Now back to the episode. Yeah. Xander, what about you? You know, I think like, so if I'm thinking about like performance anxiety or something like that, because that's certainly something that that I've dealt with before. Like Vanessa was saying, you know, I think it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm getting worried about this. And so then you think, well, I should be more confident. Why am I not just more confident? And then that thought causes you to think, well, I should be more confident, but I'm not more confident because like I'm losing my erection or whatever is happening right now. And then, you know, and that takes you into that sort of that shame spiral. And I think the what a more productive way to deal with that is is instead of, yeah, instead of letting yourself kind of go down the shame spiral, it's about like, okay, I'm worried about how hard I am or or whatever it is. But instead of being like, okay, well, the only way for me to solve this problem is to get hard again, it's thinking about, okay, like what else, what else can we do in this situation to create connection? How can I still give my partner a really great time? And I think ironically, the way to get through a lot of these things that we, that where, where we think it's like insecurity or whatever is to actually really go kind of straight through and actually be like, okay, cool. Yeah. I, I don't have an erection anymore. I'm going to forget about that. I'm just going to focus on my partner feeling good. And if you can do that, you're actually going to end up feeling a lot better about yourself at the end because you've given your partner sure. a really great experience. And ultimately, mm-hmm. that's actually going to give you more confidence in the long run of knowing, oh, hey, I know how to give my partner a great time, whether or not I'm hard. So I think ironically, a lot of guys, a lot of guys tend to focus on the problem like, oh, well, I got to figure out how to keep how to keep it up. How to last longer. Yeah, how to last longer. Yep. <laughs> and yep. Actually, that's the wrong. That's like the totally wrong thing to focus on. It's like, forget about that. Focus on giving your partner a really great time or just having a really good connected time together. And over time, you'll kind of build up this habit of like, oh, okay, when those thoughts come up, I actually don't need to think about them. I can think about something else and they'll just slowly dissipate over time and the problem will solve itself. So it leads me to ask in a situation and Xander this and Vanessa chime in too, please, you know, in a situation where you do lose an erection and you're like, all right, cool. Let me focus on my partner. So, you know, you take care of her, however you want to do so. You satisfy your partner, but then you have, what's the proper word to, to use here? You have resistance to going back to perform, you know, invasively, right? Like actually having sex and you kind of just settle for oral sex or whatever the case may be. Is that something you've experienced before? Where it's kind of just like a block and you're like, all right, you know what? I can get the job done this way, kind of shying away from doing it any other way. 
Yeah, I've definitely experienced that before. I think the thing that's probably the most helpful is like, yeah, is like like you said, is to, you know, try to focus on your partner and and you know, show them a good time, so to speak. And then afterwards, I think where a lot of people might go wrong at that point is thinking, okay, well, now I'm just gonna keep to myself all these feelings mm. that I have of like, oh well, I maybe I feel emasculated that I was I wasn't able to finish or I wasn't able to do the thing that my partner thinks is the the sign that, you know, they've helped me, you know, or like that they've done a good job. And so I think it's important to be able to talk about that stuff and to be able to acknowledge with your partner, think, hey, I feel bummed that I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to perform the way that I wanted to in that moment. Um, and I think that's a really good way to start kind of like rebuilding or just building a foundation to have more success in the future. Because I think a lot of us can, we can really get in our heads and think, oh, well, you know, the only way my partner is going to know that I'm satisfied is if I'm hard and I come or something like that. So, I well, I think this is like a really crucial misunderstanding that a lot of men have, men who have sex with women, is men get really in their heads about this ideal performance that you guys are supposed to have of like getting hard at exactly the right moment, like, you know, if it's rock hard the whole time and you orgasm at exactly the right moment, not too soon, not too late, like it's just got to be perfect. And, you know, my own experience and when I I talk to women, we're not looking for that kind of performance. Like what we're really mm. looking for is going back to your question about presence. We want to feel like our partner is there in the moment with us and it, having this experience with us. And also ironically, <laughs> your penis is not the best way to bring a woman pleasure. You're going to have a lot more success <laughs> with your hands or with your mouth. So, you know, there were times earlier in our relationship, you know, it's, it's always interesting for me to hear Xander talk about performance issues because when I hear him talk about it, to me, it sounds like he's saying it happened all the time. And I'm I'm like, buddy, we're talking about like once in a blue moon kind of thing. It's a very interesting, like how much it can get up into your head. Sure felt but, uh, like yeah. all that. <laughs> sure felt like, <laughs> like but, more than that. But know, like, no, you're, yeah, you're like, right. Some of the very first times that it happened, like it was, you know, Xander immediately was just gone in that moment. I knew he was up in his head. He was beating himself up. He was feeling emasculated. And I didn't care about what his penis was doing or not doing in that moment. I cared that like, hey, where'd you go? Now I'm alone mm. here. And it feels like you checked so far out that it's leaving me with this impression that you don't care about my experience. And so as we got older, more mature, got more tools and we were able to talk about it, I was able to understand what was going on for him and feel more empathy and, and realize that. But, you know, again, it's just this misunderstanding of like, we're not expecting perfect performance, this rock hard penis the whole way through, like we're wanting to feel connected with you. And so if you're having this moment of anxiety of like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly as hard as I want to be, or I think I might come too quickly or whatever it is, you know, if you can stay present in that moment, focus on your partner, connecting with your partner, and then yeah, do a little debrief afterwards if you want to. But I think the vast majority of women would feel like, oh, it doesn't even feel like anything's wrong or bad about that. Like we were connected. I had fun. I could come back afterwards and return the favor for you. Like that's what we're looking for is that connection. Right. It leads me to ask, how do you build the muscle? I'm going to assume it's a muscle. How do you build the muscle of surrender while in bed where sometimes things move pretty quickly, right? So like the reason I'm asking is because, you know, you mentioned not to ruminate on the thoughts that are in your mind and just, you know, be in the moment. That's not so easy. And 
I, the way I'm asking this, I'm thinking to myself, well, to build the muscle, it's obviously repetition, but I don't want to have that same experience over and over and over where those thoughts are still in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think one thing that could help is to put more of that focus on her pleasure, even in the moments when things are going well, you know, so a lot mm -hmm. of us, we wait till these like things aren't going the way that I want it to. And now I'm anxious and it feels like I've got to like pull all these tools out of the toolkit that I haven't really used. But if we can practice that level of presence and of truly caring about our partner's experience. And I, the way that I'm trying to say this is I don't think we have millions of super selfish people who are only caring about themselves in the bedroom, but I just think we, we all deal with performance anxiety in one way or another. And it's leading us to have this disconnection where we're so in our heads thinking about, does my body look okay? Is he liking this? What does he think? Is my penis hard enough? I'm going to go come at the right moment. You know? So it's like, we're all, <laughs> we're all just this flurry of distracted thoughts. So if we can practice, even when we don't have a sense that something's about to go wrong, but let me practice like being really generous, really focusing on your pleasure and giving you a good experience. Then that's what builds the muscle so that in the times when things are like, oh God, it's things are going off the rails. You have that experience <laughs> of like, oh, I know what to do here. This is not some brand new thing that I'm doing. Yeah. And I think another element of it is, is almost like reframing your thinking of like what you said, Matt, was I related with so much that, that like it feels so uncomfortable in the moment and you don't want to have a repeat of that feeling. And I think the reframe is that, you know, the price of admission of sex of a great relationship, it is awkward moments. It is these uncomfortable feelings. And I think that you know, at least for me, it really took me having an acceptance of like, okay, I am going to feel like this sometimes. I'm going to feel emasculated. I can't help it. I've been conditioned socially to have these feelings. I wish I could make them go away, but I can't. But if I can push through it, if I can lean into those feelings, if I can share some of those feelings with my partner. So it feels like we're on the same team about it. So it feels like she understands she has some empathy for me, then I can start to kind of build that muscle, so to speak, where it's like, instead of me feeling that emasculation and immediately going into shame, I can feel that and go, okay, last time I shared some of these feelings with her and she received it in a really positive way. And we ended up feeling close. Let me try that again. And so it's sort of building the muscle of like, okay, when I feel that, instead of just going in my own head and withdrawing, like we can actually use this as an opportunity to get closer, to have more connection. Because ironically, that's what intimacy is, is when we're mm. sharing our true selves with each other, even when that's not pretty and all buttoned up and perfectly performing. So when we share like, this is what's really coming up for me. I feel so vulnerable telling you this. I wish this was not what was going on for me. Like that's when we really feel close to each other. So how do we know if we're compatible with our partner? Because big difference between casual encounters and, you know, long lasting encounters, right? I mean, how do we know that this person is our person? That's the big question, isn't it? <laughs> no, are you talking about yeah. compatible in the in love, in sex, in both? In everything, yeah, in everything. Let's let's hear it. You know, yeah, it's such a, a thorny question to unravel. Like I wish there was this great perfect answer of like, you know, <laughs> if you just tap on your foot two times and you feel this, <laughs> like then you'll know. But I think for me, one of the big questions that comes up with compatibility is I think about like, is this the person that I want to do tough things with? That was what came mm. up for me in the early days of dating mm. Xander and feeling like, wow, we have you know something really special here. I'm really into this guy. We're in love. We're connecting. Like I thought about, 
is he somebody that I want to go through tough things in life with? Because of course, at the beginning of the relationship, things are usually pretty great. They feel easy. They feel effortless. But when I thought about, you know, what are the qualities that he has that are going to show up in those challenging moments? And when we had some of, you know, some those first bites that you have in a relationship where you're like, oh God, <laughs> you know, it's, it's happening. It's, happening. <laughs> it's real. That was a big thing for me around compatibility, realizing like, yeah, this is somebody that I, I want by my side when tough stuff is going on. And I think to add on to that, I think also it's like, is this person willing to learn and to grow with me. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. such a huge one because, you know, we were just talking about, you know, pushing through these uncomfortable situations. And, you know, like we were saying, these aren't things that happen all the time. Very often, you know, very often you might not get into one of these uncomfortable you know, sex or relationship situations for, you know, till you're many months into a relationship. But I think it's like when something like that comes up, it's like, okay, is this person that I'm with, are they willing to, are they willing to, to listen to me to hear, you know, to hear how I'm feeling about this and, and to have empathy for me? Are they willing to question maybe some of these societal assumptions that we have about, you know, how sex is supposed to go for men or how sex is supposed to go for women and stuff like that? I think that's so important because we're all we're all conditioned in certain ways. But I think, you know, for the long term, it's like, is this person willing to grow with me? Are they willing to question some of these these ideas that, that we both have about how things work? And, and you know, are they are they willing? To, to talk about those and maybe come to some new ideas. Do you guys feel like compatibility can be developed? I do. Yeah. I think that a lot of people think you're supposed to have that immediate spark right from the get-go. And of course, there is something kind of intangible when you meet somebody, you just really feel that sense of clicking with them. But I think that the spark is a little overrated. I, I think mm. that true compatibility is something that develops over time and with effort being put into it. I mean, I think if you do a relation, a long-term relationship, if you do a long-term relationship right, you're going to have like six or seven in different relationships, you know, throughout the course of your life. And I think that's true compatibility is when you can kind of ebb and flow and flex and grow with each other throughout your life. Yeah, I mean, and, and also from a neurological perspective, you can't have the spark forever, like that feeling that that in love feeling or that, you know, that spark, like everything clicking, that can really only last what, like six to 12 months mm -hmm. or so. I mean, it, it's really like in your brain in terms of the like in terms of the chemistry of what's going on it's yeah i mean it's it's like you are on drugs basically mm -hmm. like that's what that's how strong the love is you know those feelings that you're having but that can only last six to 12 months so if if the barometer is i need to be feeling this thing well i can guarantee you that it that will fade and so the question is you know what else can you develop in addition to that what are some signs that you're not compatible? And the reason I'm asking this is because me personally, I wouldn't want it to come down to like post nut clarity where I'm like, no, this ain't it. You know, <laughs> I'm just curious. Like, I'm curious. What are the signs that, you know, this person isn't for you? Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, there might be a lot of different ones that could come up. I mean, I think with sex, it tends to be a little bit more straightforward. Like, are there certain things that you're interested in exploring or are a central aspect of what sex means to you that your partner doesn't want to do? So those can be, you know, ones that, that might surface earlier in the relationship once you guys start talking about what sex looks like. But I think, you know, other earlier signs that you can look for is just that sense of, do you want to keep getting to know someone better? Like, I 
think mm-hmm. a lot of us can, we get that a little bit of that gut feeling of like, I'm just not really curious about this person. Like, okay, sure. They're nice. Like I could go grab a drink with them, but I don't feel that pull to learn more about them, to like understand how they tick and see who they are. That can right. be a big sign. And I think also like, you know, does this person have space for my emotions? Do they have space for who I am? Do they have respect for my emotions or who I am? Because I think that, you know, what can happen is that early on in a relationship, you know, both people are trying to put their best foot forward. They're trying to be flexible. They're like, okay, you know, when I'm first dating someone, I'm supposed to be kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever, anything goes, like, let's try to make this work. And I think over time, you know, one or both partners can get to a point where it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm not really willing to this is too much for me or like, you know, okay, I, I don't know, you, you've got too many feelings about this, or I'm not really open to that. So I think it's just, yeah, a matter of like, uh, you know, yeah, does your partner really do they have enough space for you to be who you really want to be or to to feel the things that 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 you want to feel or that you want to share with them? Agreed. I love that. Let's talk sex talks because I know I only have you for a few more minutes, five convos that will transform your love life. My question to that, when I hear that right away, I instantly think, what needs to be in place before those conversations take place? Are there milestones? Like, that is the first thing that I'm thinking about. In the relationship? Just Yeah, in the relationship, exactly. No, I don't think so. So I think a lot of us have this idea that sex is something that we should talk about like down the road when we start having problems, then we'll talk about it if we have to. Yeah, <laughs> if we have to. So I think so many people yeah. Go, yeah, because like I really ideally I never want to have to. <laughs> really trying to show people with this book is that talking about sex is so much more effective, useful, and genuinely fun when you do it, you know, earlier in the relationship or before things have started to go horribly wrong. Honestly, I think that if you were single and you read this book Mm -hmm. and you started bringing the ideas of these conversations in, like when you first started dating someone or first started having sex with someone, it would be so effective. It would be such a good way to set yourself up for success. And and that's what I was going to (laughs) say. I think, you know, you could use the conversations as a barometer for, is this the right person for me? Are they willing to have these type of conversations? And when I say willing, I don't mean like they're these really hard, complicated conversations, but just like, does this person have space to like acknowledge that sex is a thing that we are doing or to talk about like, you know, what, what it is that I need to feel connection versus what it is that you need to feel connection. Yeah. So we start the very first conversation is acknowledgement, AKA sex is a Mm. thing. And we have it like Xander was saying, because a lot of people don't even get that far. It's Uh like sex is this thing that we do when the lights are off and the bedroom door is closed, but we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you say want to do it, but you don't even say what it is. (laughs) So the first convo was just acknowledging that sex exists. Yeah, yeah. It's starting to get comfortable with sex as a topic of conversations because the mistake that a lot of couples make is one of two things. It's either they never talk about it, like Xander just said, or they only talk about it when there's a problem. So Mm -hmm. you're not doing this. I don't like it when you do that. We haven't had sex in forever. And so it makes sex feel like this scary topic to talk about. Like, ooh, if my partner said, you know, we've all had that experience, right? Your partner's like, we got to talk. You're like, oh, fuck, what's coming? (laughs) I don't like that. Not talking. I don't like talking. (laughs) 
so no one likes that. <laughs> we want to start it in a really fun and playful way of just getting comfortable talking about sex. So in that first conversation, one of the conversation prompts that we give is just to share with your partner what's one of your favorite sexual memories that the two of you have shared. Mm-hmm. So you're not giving any complaints. You're not trying to solve a problem. You're not giving any feedback. It's literally just like, hey, remember that anniversary trip that we had and, you know, that hotel that we were staying at? So you're just getting yourselves comfortable talking about sex more openly and realizing that it can be fun, flirty, playful. It doesn't have to be this big, heavy, scary conversation. Yeah, you just beat me to my next question. I was going to ask how to make it fun, because for me personally, I'm thinking that the first conversation could be a little nerve wracking. You know, if you're not used to doing it. So I appreciate you beating me to that. I'm curious (laughs) if we're able to, because I don't want to give everything away. I want people to get this book. If we're able to talk about the other convos, we talked about acknowledgement. Are we able to reveal anything else? Yeah, I can run you through the other ones for sure. We we want people to know what the conversations are. We don't want people nervous like, what's in this book? I'm scared to open it. <laughs> so the first one is acknowledgement. The second one is connection, aka what do mm. we need to feel connected to each other? The third one is desire. What do we need to feel turned on? Fourth, we have pleasure. What do we need to feel good? And the fifth one is exploration. What should we explore next? Because I think a, I think a lot of us have this idea that like, for all those things, that everything you just said, like, you know, how I feel connection, how I, you know, how I feel turned on, how I feel pleasure. I think they're easy to get this idea that like there's a one size fits all or that we all should want the same thing. We all should work the same way. And the reality is what we found in our work, there's so much variety out there in terms of what it is that people like, what it is that people need. I mean, like at this point, everyone's heard of the love languages and like you know, how we like to receive love. And I think that that's a really good way, a good way to illustrate that, you know, we all need different things. And so it's a matter of being able to talk about, oh, like, you know, when I have this, it feels like that. And then hearing your partner describe, you know, oh, well, what does that thing feel like for them? You're like, oh my God, this is, it's totally different. And so it's, it's just a, all these conversations really help you understand like, okay, this, this is how I work. This is how you work. And how can we each play to each other's to our each other's strengths or to our needs or whatever. Now, are these conversations, and I'm assuming this because number five is explore, are they in this order for a particular reason? Yeah, we put them in this order because we think this is the best way for couples to move through it. So we're, again, we're starting nice mm. and easy, like easing your way into it. We're making it feel fun. And then we went into connection next. I think a lot of people will see sex talks on the book and think that it's like, we're just talking about kinky fantasies and role playing <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Nope. But we, <laughs> we really, I mean, that's in there too, don't worry. <laughs> but um, we really wanted to talk about the more complex relationship dynamics that come up too. Mm. that sense of how do we maintain that intimacy throughout the day? Because so many couples will say, we feel like strangers, you know, we're ships passing in the night. And then it comes time to have sex. And it's like, who are you again? Like, right, well, what, right. you know? so we, we start off with that feeling of like, how do we stay connected throughout the day so we can have that desire for each other, that attraction to each other. So I think that's a really nice second step for people where it's again, we're not talking about anything explicit yet. It's how do we stay connected to each other that keep that romance alive. And then from there that then it kind of traces the arc of a sexual interaction, like feeling desire, experiencing pleasure. And then what's what's next to come? What do we want to try out next? next time. I love that. If people pick up this book, but they could only take one thing away from it, what do you want that one thing to be? 
It's so hard. It's like asking me to. It's the one thing question. I have to ask it. It's my job. I want them to come away with the desire to just start talking about sex. Even it doesn't Mm. matter which conversation they want to start with, which particular topic within the book feels exciting to them. If people just walked away thinking, you know what, I see the value in doing this and I think I can do it. That would be the best, best, best thing. Yeah, I was I was going to say just just do it. Just, yeah. <laughs> just talk about it. I, I don't care which of the conversations you have, like even if you're just going to have one of them, like just just do it because we know from our own experience, we know from you know our community's experience that just talking about it, however you talk about it is so transformative for couples. Absolutely. I love this. I'm going to make sure that the link to the book is in the show notes as well as socials, websites, all of that good stuff. You have anything else? that we should make people aware of? We have all kinds of amazing guides and courses that are available at our website, vmtherapy.com. It's Mm. really our mission to help couples keep the spark alive in long-term relationships. So we're very excited about the book. It's a great introduction to us, but if you're ready to just dive on in, we love teaching the nitty gritty stuff about sex that we all feel like we should know already, (laughs) but but sometimes we feel a little bit nervous about it. So we love just, we, we say we take the intimidation out of intimacy. So we have guides that'll teach you how to use your hands and mouths on each other. Like I was talking about earlier, we have guides about having intercourse, making it more pleasurable and satisfying for both partners. Sex positions that that actually work, not some of those crazy things you see on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) We have sex challenges. So we've got a lot of fun stuff. So you can definitely come over there and check that out and get started. I love that. I'm going to ask you guys one last question. Feel free to answer it however you want. The both of you live to whatever year you want to live to. Whatever age that is, you put out as many books, you help people have the best orgasms, however many people that is, right? You you do all the impacting you want to do, but each of you can only be remembered for one piece of advice, meaning this piece of advice is attached to your name. It's on your tombstone. You know, God forbid, this is many, many years in the future, but I'm curious, what is that piece of advice? Honestly, I think it's going to be talk about sex. Talk about sex. Talk about sex. If I could be known as a woman who encouraged people to start talking about sex, that would be a very fulfilling life indeed. What about you, Xander? I totally, I totally agree with that. I, so I'm not going to say the same thing, but what I will say, I'll kind of take the lens of for the guys out there, I'd Mm. say stop taking yourself so seriously in bed. Yeah, I think that, you know, like I, I've said throughout this, you know, it's a lot of us think we need to know everything, we need to do everything right. But yeah, how am I supposed to know everything about sex already? Like, I got to stop taking myself so seriously, start having more fun, start asking questions, ask for help, see what else is available to me out there. I love that. I'm taking away that we shouldn't or men shouldn't go into bed trying to be Michael Jordan in the finals. So that's the, <laughs> that's what I'm taking away. Guys, I've had such a blast. I, I appreciate the both of you so much. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm going to make sure that books, socials, websites, all of that good stuff is in the show notes. But thank you so much. Thank awesome. you. Thanks. It's been great. Appreciate your questions and your curiosity. You have just tuned into episode number 271 right here on the Decoding Success podcast. Shout out to our friends, Xander and Vanessa Marin for bringing their transparency, their experiences, their vulnerabilities to the table, their real-life experiences to make an impact on us, our community, our podcast, and beyond. With that being said, I want to give you a shout-out for making it to the end of this episode. 
Put your hands on your heart. Give yourself a hug. Show yourself the love that you deserve for showing up here today. On that note, you can connect with Vanessa and Xander in the show notes of this episode where you will find their websites, their socials, where to grab their book, and so much more. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.